Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. We're back with another of our special bonus quick cut episodes. So I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hello. And Jason. Hey, everybody. How you guys doing? Good. 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 Trying to make these intros different for these. Sure, yeah. Just distinguish them from the others. Change it up a little. Yeah. I actually just thought you forgot the intro, and you're like, oh, shit. There's people sitting here with me right now. Okay. Uh, no, so we are back for a special discussion topic this time. Yes. So the last few episodes we have done have kind of been this block of A24-ish, quote-unquote, elevated horror films. And it's rare that we get a lot of feedback from anyone, but we did get a comment on one of these episodes. Mm-hmm. It was when St. Maud dropped, and someone was like, hey... I really didn't feel like you guys broke down what elevated horror is when you're talking about it. Right. And we had a good conversation. We, I kind of explained like what was going on, and I thought it was worth enough for us to kind of come back to this topic and sort of put the nail in the coffin and close it out, because we didn't really go too deep on it. And I think I maybe owe listeners an apology for that, because I'll give a little behind the scenes on this. Yes, you personally, not yes. Michael and I. We don't. I, I so do we owe you nothing. <laughs> I didn't do shit. So Michael picked Saint Maud, and that was just kind of in a vacuum. You really wanted to see it. You wanted to watch it. Sure. Yeah. Then Jason, you picked the reflecting skin. You mm-hmm. have been talking about this for a while now that you wanted to revisit it. Oh yeah, it's been in my back pocket for a while. And it wasn't until we were working on that episode that I kind of saw the dots picked under the Silver Lake and then connected them and have since kind of like the hype man in me, you know, I grew up with like the Stan Lee school of like, make everything hyped and big, <laughs> right. a spectacle. Uh, I connected these dots. Like it was like, Oh, a block of three episodes that are focused on this topic. When really, maybe it probably wasn't. It kind of by happenstance turned that way. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like anything planned. It so maybe so that's my bad for overhyping it a little bit. Could be. You're probably um, right. You're and terrible. We, <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuck me guys. <laughs> But uh, we've touched on elevated horror before in this idea, and this maybe it's a genre, maybe it's not. But I just thought it would be good since someone did bring it up and ask about it. I think we do want to be known as a podcast that, like, you can write to us mm-hmm. and ask questions, and we will try to answer them. Or if you wanted more information, we will make that time to go back and circle around to it. Yep, we live to serve. So today we're mostly just going to talk about. <laughs> I'm not okay with this. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. You're already in. Oh shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're just going to talk about this topic, this idea of quote-unquote elevated horror, what it is, where did it come from, um, and what is it. And so I want to start us off right away with this idea. Truthfully, it may not be a subgenre the way people talk about it like it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there's not a whole lot of elevator horror movies, so it is kind of a subgenre. Devil. Yeah. Devil, sure, The Lift, that British film. You know my biggest problem with elevator <laughs> horror films? What's that? They're really up and down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, but elevation horror. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> He's Not a bad, bad mother. That's a different genre. <laughs> elevated, what? Yes. Well, what's elevated? Elevated. If so. somebody didn't just immediately just click skip. <laughs> so like, Fuck, I don't want to listen to these. All right, now that we've anymore. filtered all the other people out. <laughs> so are you elevator horror fans? Uh, I promise we'll do that one day. Maybe years <laughs> out, but we'll see. So the first thought I wanted to kind of lead us on, horror as a genre has kind of always been looked down on in the mainstream perspective as far as like being acceptable. Uh, if you look at award shows, the number of films that have actually won like big like Oscars, Academy Awards, any of that kind of stuff for the actual horror genre, it's very slight. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the ones that have, like the first one I think that'll come to mind to a lot of people is Silence of the Lambs. Yes. 
And do you guys know what they considered that to be when it got the award? It was a, like a suspense thriller. Yes. I think it's it's still listed as that. Like Does it you, scare you? If it scares you, it's a horror film. I remember no. when we were working at Movie Warehouse, it was always in uh, like... Yeah, it's like the thriller section thriller. or whatever. For some reason, suspense. we had a thriller section. I don't mm. know why. But. Yeah. And I think it's almost unequivocally a horror film. I don't know how you could call it anything else than that. <laughs> yeah, how is it anything yeah. but... Yeah, it's all about a dude who eats people and a guy who skins <laughs> people and... Yeah, but, it's scary. But then what happens, though, is is this is probably going to lead into our discussion on elevated horror. There's such a strange break in what people consider horror. Like, if it mm-hmm. doesn't make you shit your pants scared, people are like, well, that didn't scare me, so that wasn't right. a horror film. Some people have a very, like, off-on definition of what horror is, and it's, did it scare me, yes or no, period. Right, and being scared of something is so subjective. It's mm-hmm. the same as comedy. Right. You know, like, for some people, what scares you doesn't scare somebody else. It's about intent. Right, right, and mood. I think mood and tone really reflect in that. But and that's often what I'll kind of try to look for because it's like, did this scare me? Uh, I don't know, but I loved the atmosphere and the mood it was kind of building. Right, sure. And as hardcore horror fans, when are we truly scared anymore? You know, right. like we've seen so much stuff that it's not the extreme that scares me anymore. It's really the subtle mm-hmm. that gets me something that insidiously creeps and like plants a seed inside you that you're thinking about for like a mm-hmm. week and a half later and then you're like fuck why am i still thinking about that yeah oh yeah that's the to me like that's the good shit yeah sure. yeah that's the stuff that really gets under your skin give me jump scares all day that's fine mm-hmm. they're fun but it doesn't stick with you no you know it's they're empty calories and it is okay for a film to just be fun like that sure, sure. yeah and i think that's the thing that a lot of people prefer that type of horror film they don't want to see a serious elevated extreme air quotes here uh, <laughs> horror film because they just want to have a good they want a roller coaster you know they don't really want to be scared <laughs> so it's almost this joke that like critically from like a professional perspective we can't say that horror films are good because they are like this lower thing mm-hmm. so oh we'll call silence of the lambs a thriller right. that way we can give it accolades um however i do think that in recent years we have seen more widespread acceptance of the horror genre. Um, you can look at stuff like Paranormal Activity, which maybe isn't like a critically praised film, but it just it blew back up horror in the cinema mm-hmm. and people coming out and these big budget, like high ticket movies. Well, that wasn't particularly big budget, but right. you know, it was the, it's the true successful horror formula of we made this thing for cheap, but it played very well to people. Mm-hmm. And marketing. For and that marketing, yeah. Marketing was key for that one. That, that one scared the shit out of me. First one I saw... When I first saw Paranormal Activity, it was so effective. It scared the bejesus out of me. I like the first one. It's good. And the third one, I think, is the best, personally. I haven't watched that one, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, go watch it. Third one's great. But no, the first one, that's one of the ones that actually scared the shit out of me. But. I hear people talk about the marked ones, but I never watched it. I watched it. It's okay. It was a nice change of pace because mm-hmm. it didn't deal with a bunch of rich white people. So it was kind of, <laughs> you know, it's a good different, start. you know. Um, so skipping ahead a little bit, but we'll go to 2017 and Get Out ends up winning awards, major awards. Rightly so. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It deserved it, certainly. But again, when you look at it, what were the critics at the time calling it for winning all those awards? Mm-hmm. That's like, a thriller. They said it was a thriller or a social comedy. <laughs> social comedy. And Jordan Peele <laughs> even kind of was like, uh, like, he called them out about that and was like, what? No, it's a horror film. Don't you know that horror films make social commentary all the time? That's, yeah. I mean, that, that's what they're for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And so again, it's it's still this pool of like we can't we can't let it just be a horror film and also be this great work of art. There's like a divide there that people just don't want to cross for right. some reason. Because you say horror, and they're they're afraid people are going to think like Friday the Thirteenth or something. Yeah, immediately somebody jumps to mass killer, yeah. mm-hmm. slasher, or say blood it, guts and gore. It's just trashy. The characters don't matter. There's there's tits. There's blood, which are all great. Don't get oh, me yeah. wrong. We love love that shit too. But like you can, <laughs> one of the goriest films that I've ever seen is. Probably like some of the war films, you know, like Saving Private Ryan. What's different because that's realistic gore? Talk about a scary movie, at least scary scenes in that movie. God, that, yeah. That's generally I mean, a problem in America. We kind of move the goalpost on a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's along this line of this divide between like a good artful film and trash that this elevated horror topic has kind of sprung up. Right. And A24 is central to all of this in the films they make and the kind of style they do, mm-hmm. which is why we focused on A24 films, and I made this reference. Um, and kind of the first film where you really saw it take off and people started using the term elevated horror and talking about it was with 2015's The Witch. Mm, one of my favorites. Yeah, mine too. I think we all love it here. Yeah. That was on my um, five from episode zero, mm-hmm. people remember. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... I can remember I wasn't particularly interested in seeing it when it first came out. Why not? What was wrong with you? It seemed kind of cool, and I was like, eh, I don't know. And what really made me want to watch it is one of Tiffany's friends went to see it on a whim, and they complained about it because they were like, they talk funny. I can't understand them. <laughs> I couldn't like follow the movie because I couldn't understand them. And I was like, well, it can't be that. You know, They would have subtitled it if it was that different and right. hard to follow. Right. And I think then they put out... A24 is great at marketing. That's another thing we should talk about for a second. They are, yeah. They made the joke trailer where it was all the scenes of Black Phillip. <laughs> and they made it seem like the whole movie was just about yeah, the about goat. evil demonic goat, yeah. And Tiffany's... I had like, no problems with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch the shit I'd out of it. I'd watch that too. I'd watch Black Phillip just walking around. Yeah. Sure. Talking shit to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they've done other stuff. Like, they made the uh, toy bear in a cage for Midsummer. Right. Uh, they've made a tabletop role-playing game box set for Green Knight. Mm-hmm. They're very good at marketing. I love all the stuff they do to promote their things. Um, but it was in the wake of those, I was like, you know what? I'll give this a try. And it blew me away. I loved it. But it is doing something kind of different you hadn't seen, at least in recent time. Refreshingly so. I yeah. think what we're going to get into is that there's always been films like this, mm-hmm. but it's like a, there's, I guess they would say there's a new generation of people that are seeing this type of horror film for the first time in 2015 when it dropped. I think you're right. I think that's probably the big issue here because a lot of the horror we've been getting has been, well, I mean, like the Paranormal Activity films, mm-hmm. you know, like the Saw movies, things like that. It seems to have gotten really watered down, and mm. because everything is like cyclical trends, it's, it's right? fast food horror mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Well, and I'd mentioned before that one of my issues with the Saw franchise that kind of drew me away from it was the high school love for it. Of like, oh, mm-hmm. and as much as I absolutely love Dead Meat, the YouTuber, right, James Agenies. Yeah, there's like that trend of like, well, I watched the kill count, so what do I need to watch the movie? Mm-hmm. It becomes all about the kill count, all about the the gore and like there's no subtext. Yeah, even like, he's like, watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but so I, I that's kind of what pushed I think a lot of people away is because it's like, well, when you talk about what's the kill count of, of the witch? Like two? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> death, death doesn't equal scary. Right, right. Like some of the scariest movies 
almost no one dies, you know? So I, I think that that's one of the issues too, is like, what are you primed for? Right. You know, what have you, what are you after? Yeah. What have you been watching? What are you kind of thinking that the next horror film will be? And then for a lot of people, you have to think what does scare you? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what is scary to you? And to me, things like hostile aren't scary. You know, Saw is not scary. I'm not ever worried about a crazy killer like tying me up and torturing me in a basement. See, Maybe I know, I know a be. lot of people you are currently in my basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a lot of friends like they cannot do home invasion films. Like that just destroys it them. Triggers them, sure, right? Because that that does happen. It can happen. It will happen. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things do scare me. But what scares me the most are the unanswerable questions. Mm -hmm. I think that's what always gets me the most: the unknown, the unanswerable. Sure. And I mean, nobody wants people invading their home and trying to kill them or whatever, but a mortal being I can deal with. Right. I, I can win against that. You know, I have a chance to kill this person or whatever or Hopefully. stop them. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I mean, true. I'm a total wuss. But anyway. Um, but, I mean, like, like you say, the big questions, you know, like mortality. Sure. You're not going to beat that. <laughs> you and, know? and that's what happened with the witch. Mm -hmm. The witch is very much just paranoia. And right. just fear of... It's about a lot of things, but yeah. Yeah, but like, there's so much paranoia in there. And like you start to put yourself in that situation. Okay, well, what if I am alone and everybody ostracizes me and everybody thinks that I am a witch or yeah. that I'm causing all these problems? You know, you're part of a society where you don't, you literally do not matter. Right. You have no rights. You have no say. That's terrifying to me. Yeah. I mean, maybe not to other people in other countries, but mm -hmm. like as Americans, that's kind of terrifying. I think that's the interesting thing with that film is that it's these very basic fears that anyone can have, but they've couched them in this horror story about like there is a witch in the woods. Right. And then my answer to like when people always are like, well, you know, she joined the witch coven. I'm like, <laughs> did she? Was it real? And then they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like. I don't know. What do I mean? And then it's just like an expanding. Well, and even then, if you if you go like the literal route with the ending, what you're talking about, if everyone around you is saying that you're evil and there's so something wrong with, with you, and plenty of people are in that situation, and then they just lean into it. Yeah, fuck it. I'm if out. this is what I am, so be it. Well, that was also her best alternative. You know, mm -hmm. that's what, only for her to really be free. So, and I think as a studio, a twenty four leans heavily into those artistic ideas and so like i think a lot of people would shoot down these movies as elevated horror i think elevated horror is a nicer term for art house horror film i'm glad you brought that up yeah um because if you say the term and even the term art house tends to be derogatory when you're referring to even dramas mm -hmm. or anything else. Because well, it depends on who you're talking to well <laughs> you say art house i get excited oh uh, yeah but like if you're if you're talking to a lot of people who, and there's, let me reiterate this, there's absolutely nothing wrong with just enjoying cinema for a good time. Right. Oh, yeah. There's nothing fucking wrong with that. Scorsese people can, have enough going on in their life, they don't want to have to be confronted with... Scorsese can fuck off by saying people <laughs> uh, get pissed about hey the now. Hey, hey. But for real, though, like if somebody just wants to enjoy a Marvel movie because it's big explosion and it makes them feel good and it takes their mind off the shit that is life right now. Sure, but I mean, a quick. I don't think he was criticizing people for enjoying that. No. I, think, I think his point was it's that it's not art. Well, I mean, and to a, an extent, he's right. To a, to a, it's a product from a certain point of view. <laughs> what is art? 
Right. I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. But then when we talk about like art house films, mm-hmm. you know what you're getting into. Right. It might be avant-garde. It might be something that's not so linear. It might be right. subtitled in black and white. Right. Um, Often, you know, complex, layered plot. There might be multiple interpretations of what you you're watching. You might leave going, I don't know what I watched. You might have to fucking pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> so I think in order to get around that um, art house or you know, artsy fartsy film. <laughs> they, and let's face it as horror fans, we always want to be better than everybody else. That's a, any nerd culture, you know, that's sort of a central thing we want to take <laughs> because horror is shit on by mainstream media. So what we want to do as horror fans is elevate ourselves and put ourselves on a platform and look down and be like, Oh no, no, you just don't understand the merits. And, while that's a bad thing in some in some ways, it's not always a bad thing. It's being proud of what you love, but you also got to be welcoming to anybody who wants to jump up on that pedestal with you. Mm-hmm. That's often where the problem comes into frame. Yeah. Uh, I do want to drill in on what you said, though. So this term, elevated horror, online and in discussions and stuff, it, get, it gets equally used derisively as much as it gets used in praise to talk about these films. So in a way, if you're looking at it from like a mainstream perspective... It's sort of saying that like these films are a shift away from the cheap frights and trashier elements to stuff that is more thoughtful and cerebral, which to some people that is like, yes, see, we are acceptable now. Other people who don't see anything wrong with those other, you know, quote unquote trashy films is like, well, you know, why are you making these airs about yourself and putting on like this is so much better than what's over here? It's all it's all horror films. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and the the great thing is, is we can all exist together. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's room for both. You know? Absolutely. So so here's the closest I got to sort of an actual quote-unquote definition for this. If you look like Wikipedia, there's not an elevated horror article. Really? Yeah. So there's no like defined thing for this. And I kind of cobbled this together through some different articles, my own thoughts, whatnot. Merriam-Webster defines <laughs> so, horror. Uh, typically, elevated horror films will have a more analytical layer to the story being told and its themes or message... Uh, compared to earlier horror films. There'll often be a lack of jump scares or overt gore to instead focus on being emotionally or psychologically disturbing. Um, if you contrast any A24 film with, say, a by-a-number slasher, you're going to see the divide there in those kind of elements. And that's not to say that either one is wrong. Merely each one has a different goal and a focus on how they're going to scare you and convey what they're trying to do. Um... Often, there'll be a heavy layer of social context to whatever is going on, and time will be spent to get you attached to and caring about the characters because the eventual horror relies on sort of their emotional despair or the trauma that they go through. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That's pretty that's, no, Yeah, that, I, I don't know that's if that's good. good. That's I agree with that. Ballpark. Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know what else we can really say now about elevated horror. I think that we've defined it. I think we've talked about... Well, I've got a little more. Okay. So here's sort of the other end of this where people will use it derisively. Uh, Detractors will often say that this describes films that uh, only non-horror fans would like. They say that it's a reductive way to look at things and it forces this high art, low art dichotomy that just makes a greater divide sort of in the genre. Um... Which goes back to the whole Silence of the Lambs thing. They right. wanted to call it a thriller because they didn't want to be right. seen as liking a horror film. 
And so they say that uh, by kind of using that term to praise these films, whether you mean to or not, in a way, you're kind of saying that then other stuff that doesn't meet this mark is somehow cheaper, disposable, or less important than the films being made. Yeah, I, and that's where I think it comes in to the join me on that pedestal thing. Mm-hmm. And with every fandom, there always seems to be a line. Or like if you see somebody wearing a shirt of a band that you like, you don't walk up to them and be like, yeah, yeah, can you name their best five albums? Or name every track off of this album. Some people do that, though. They do. Uh, unless it's a Kardashian <laughs> wearing it. Then, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, but those people do, and therein lies part of the problem. That whole snobbery mm-hmm. thing. Like, I got to know more than you and all that crap, right? You're a poser. So here's the other end of this, and it's probably maybe the last question before we just talk about some films real quick. Is elevated horror its own subgenre? I'm going to say no. I don't think so. I think it may be a created subgenre that's not necessarily... I think it's an accidental mm-hmm. subgenre. I think it's a good marketing term. Mm-hmm. to that's put fair. on something yeah, that's fair uh what i wrote down in my notes here is that i think it's interesting because when you look at any of these films that are quote-unquote elevated horror you can typically take them and place them in a sort of horror subgenre already sure and this elevated thing is just kind of a tag on top that other people are ascribing to it yeah all it means is that this movie is made really well <laughs> <laughs> that's my takeaway it's a well-made movie it's a thoughtful well-made film that someone put effort into and it wasn't just a cash grab, mm. you know, which is, that, that's a good thing. You know, they're, they're good films. Now that doesn't mean that a crappy slasher can't be a good movie either because it's, it, it's intention is to do certain things. And if it does it well, you know, if it kills a lot of people, a lot of good kills, you know, some nudity, whatever they're after and they do that, then it's succeeded. Yes. I think a lot of people would disagree with you though, when it comes to, are they good films? Because but that's all again, subjective. Everything's subjective. Yeah. It's all about intent. Yeah. yeah, everything's subjective, and a lot of people would say, "No, I don't think those are good films." Because in their mind, what makes a good film is what satisfies what they wanted to see going in. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for me, oftentimes, what makes a good film is something that does what I didn't expect it to do. You know, and probably my answer for a question you might ask is going to do that answer that so okay so we talked about this a little bit and i'm right with you guys i don't really like the term i do think it's sort of just a marketing thing i think it's the next stage in this thing of like well it's not a horror it's a thriller it's not a horror it's a social comedy it's not horror it's this it's just the next thing that a lot of critics lean on to make these like high art instead of just slumming it with the rest of us yeah um to that point though there's always been films like this mm-hmm. and we've been talking about this a lot off air. So I thought it was worth it to kind of close out talking about that a little bit here. What would you guys say are some of your favorite films that you would consider if they were made today and released, there'd be someone out there calling it quote elevated horror. Okay. You want to go first, Michael? Or should I? No, you should. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, reflecting scans an obvious choice. Right. We've talked about, um, and that was the but, point of me branding it that way. Right. But I probably would go with The Wicker Man, the original I 1973 love Wicker, Man. Wicker Man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If that came out today, because I think A24 films, a lot of those draw on that same feeling. 
a lot of the ones good. that have been elevated horror, they kind of lean into folk horror. Sure, like Midsommar. Yeah. I mean, that is, that was Wicker Man a huge debt. Mm-hmm. And it's... Yeah, the, the death count's very low in that movie. Um, a lot of people would call it boring. But... <laughs> a man. lot of people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But man, it's a scary film, and it sticks mm. with you. You're talking about the Nicolas Cage one, right? Obviously, yeah, obviously. <laughs> the B. And I do believe it was Christopher Lee's favorite role he ever played, right? right? Yeah, yeah, and his performance is great. It's just such a great film, and that's a good one. You know, I could I could see why, especially younger people. Here I am, being grumpy old man, Jason. <laughs> Kids on your lawn because um, film language changes over time, right? You know, like even us if we go back and watch an old silent film there's this huge disconnect because that style is completely different from what we're used to. Things change. Um, so I think people who've grown up watching YouTube videos and quick editing, quick cuts, maybe not the longest attention span. You know, maybe they don't want to devote that much time to a movie like The Wicker Man or Reflecting Skin or near the A24 films. And they see that, they see this quote-unquote slow pacing mm-hmm. and it's boring. It's boring to them. I mean, a lot of it's about film language and understanding film language. I'm not trying to be a snob and say they don't understand film language. (laughs) But, I mean, you do have to meet it halfway, you know? Sometimes investing in something and spending time in it is worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not always what you get from the surface. It's what... You're missing so much if you dismiss old movies just because they were made differently. Oh, mine. Well, what is yours? Yes, give us. I'm going to say Todd Browning's Freaks. Nice. Mm. Deep cut. Because if you watch Freaks, and I've watched it not too long ago, holy shit, that's fucked up. That's a great movie. That's just, yeah. that's mm, that's but, a brutal movie. But like everything about that is psychological, mm-hmm. and there's definitely a layer of social commentary in oh, it too. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. And like part of my love for that movie is that I like I did my college thesis on P.T. Barnum, mm-hmm. so like I examined the lives of freak show artists and freak show actors and Mm -hmm. the way they were treated and the way they were exploited but yet they also gained so much from this you know from like they made more money than anyone else that was like them right so when you look at freaks everything about it is this like throwing yourself into another world and then you're looking around and no one is like you and then you start to like question I don't know, it's kind of hard to break down freaks, like, quickly. But, like, (laughs) you start to question yourself. Like, well, what makes everyone different? What makes me different? Why am I who I am? And why are you different than me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it becomes very much a social nightmare. And then, I don't want to spoil freaks. I mean, it's like a 70-year-old movie. But, like, (laughs) but to me, the payoff is worth it. Like, once you invest in it, once you see the final payoffs, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know? So, that would be mine of what I think. Cool. And that, that could possibly actually be the first real midnight movie, too. Because it was, it was pulled from screens. A lot of countries, I think to this day, it still has problems being shown in some places. Wow. But, yeah. I mean, it was just, they tried to get rid of that movie, scrub it out, and then it was rediscovered decades later. Which I find interesting an interesting commentary in itself, because it's actually, it is not, a lot of people think it's exploiting people with disabilities, but if you watch the film, it is not at all exploiting people with disabilities. Yeah, they, they tend to, when they're talking about that, they tend to talk about the last scene where they're like wiggling through the mud and stuff after the, uh, the, the real villains of the movie. Yeah. But I think that's also more like people, 
you will become what people tell you you are after so long. Exactly, like with the witch. With the witch, yeah. Right. So, I mean, not always, of course, but I mean, there's a danger of that. You hear this over and over again, and yeah, you're going to start acting like that because you think that's all you are. Mm -hmm. I never once viewed any of the quote-unquote freaks of that movie as the villains. No. (laughs) never Even at the end, honestly. Those are never the villains to me in that film. I think when you see them like that in that final scene, if it even comes off ever at all like they are the villains, it's just because you're getting the perspective of the guy they're after. Right. You've yeah. just put yourself in, in those shoes instead. Mm-hmm. So what's yours, Dustin? Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. There's so many you could pick. And I think I'm going to just highlight it because I love it so much. Uh, Don't Look Now, directed by Nicholas Rogue. <laughs> I, I have got to rewatch this movie because <laughs> I saw it. Well, I'm, go ahead. Go ahead. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's a very simple plot where it's really just, you know, a husband and wife, they lose their kid in a tragic accident. Mm-hmm. And it's just them going through their grief and struggling with everything and trying to find a way to move on in their life. And it's this little, little simple, like haunting ghost tale. Yeah. That I don't want to spoil the ending because I do think really a lot of people haven't seen it for some reason and I they haven't. need to. I haven't. It is worth watching. Mm-hmm. I need to revisit it. I was a little underwhelmed when I saw it, but this was a while back. The emotions like run so high in it, and it's so it's so overwhelming and so so sad in the end when everything plays out all the way. <laughs> and that ending is a classic. It's just it, it sticks with you forever and just leaves you like shook. I, I got like cold chills the first time I watched it. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll grant you that for sure. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting choice. Yeah. So cool picks. I think real quick we ought to say. Most George Romero films could probably be considered elevated horror to a degree, especially yeah. all his dead films. Like mm-hmm. the level of social commentary and the exploration of like certain characters and their motivations, just like the amusement park. I mean, that's Shut that's a prime up, Jason. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and get out of here. That is a prime piece of elevated horror, God right there. Damn it, you asshole! <sighs> Cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to. Michael's triggered. <laughs> All right. Well, real quick to wrap up. I think we've covered it as best we can. Truthfully, another part of this answer is I didn't do a big breakdown like we usually do on stuff about elevated horror because there's not a whole lot to talk about. Well, what are some other elevated horrors real quick? Uh, if people want to get a better idea of what we're talking about, like what are some of the others? What's, give us Each give us their favorite. favorite. Let's say a favorite A24 since we've been focused on them so much. Can do. I'm going to go first. I'm going to pick it first. Okay. So I can claim it for anyone else. Hereditary. God damn it. We're just all fighting to pick that one. It's so good. That's one of the first films that I ever, that haunted me. Mm -hmm. That I knew nothing about it going in, knew none of the twists, none of the turns, and it sat there and it fucking haunted me for a week. And And I still, if I dwell on the emotion of that film... That will drag me down in a second. That's the only reason that one tops the witch for me is because it's it's legit scary. It's I mean, brutal. Parts of that stuck with me for days. Oh after. yeah. But if you're not invested in that movie, I don't think it will be as scary. You need to throw yourself into it. And you can see it in discussions online and stuff where people just go, you know, it it wasn't scary. It was boring. I don't know what the, the fuck people are thinking. God, it's <laughs> a clucking sound should not be scary. But yeah. it is. It was so fucking scary in this movie. That's all. That's all I need to say. It know, made it, me think of the Grudge in the same way that like Death Rattle became so iconic and yeah. just the sound that sticks with you forever. Yeah. Hmm. What's yours, Dustin? Because now I'm, Jason fucked me. Who's well, gonna steal your next pick? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it's so hard because they're all so good. I don't. Even the ones I haven't cared for as much, I still love them to death. But I think I would go with Midsummer. Mm. So sticking with Ari Aster. It's not as good as Hereditary. <laughs> I told you you'd take your next pick. It's not as good as Hereditary, I don't think. 
but the story of this, you know, very flawed, very dysfunctional relationship and the way it kind of breaks down over the course of the film, I think that is like deeply relatable in a way that a lot of people didn't want to see. And so they just was like, oh, it's a dumb Wicker Man knockoff. It's very honest. It's very honest, um, brutal kind of movie. The whole like folk horror scenario and it really to me like that is just a vehicle to tell this story about the two characters. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's an elevated horror because it's really about relationships. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess I'll go with The Witch because The Witch is on my top five anyway. And nice. every so, time I rewatch The Witch, I get something new out of it, which I also love. That I sometimes I think with these films, the more you watch them, whatever mood you're in at the time, maybe you pick up on something else. Yeah, it probably colors it a little differently. Yeah. Because I was thinking of The Witch, but if I were to mention something that we hadn't already mentioned. Um, what is it? I'm crossing my fingers because I'm hoping you're saying what I think you're going to say. We'll see. I don't. I already lost it. Oh, no. Well, well, we're we're going to go back and edit this. So <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? Oh, The Lighthouse. That actually... So, <laughs> well, and, I, and part of me wanted to avoid The Lighthouse because you both did an Ari Aster film and then I just did two Robert Eggers films. But there's nothing wrong with that. And The Lighthouse was one of those films that the more I think about it, the more I like it. Oh, yeah. On my initial watching, I'm like, I don't know what I just saw. <laughs> yeah. Everything, I mean, like acting-wise is top-notch. Directing, mm -hmm. it's shot beautifully. Like everything about the movie is beautiful to watch. But it's, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? But and the more I... I was going to say, it's fucking criminal Defoe to not get an Oscar nomination. It is criminal. Yeah, speaking of the whole like Academy not yeah. liking horror thing. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> So I will throw in the lighthouse in there. So those are maybe like, I don't want to cheat and do an extra, but we were trying to say ones that maybe you should watch. And we already talked about the witch, but mm -hmm. like if you were to watch those four, those are also some of the most divisive movies. When you look at online commentaries oh, yeah. about them, people either it's always sitting at three stars. <laughs> it's either people absolutely love it. They're five stars all the way. Or they're like one, no mm -hmm. actual vampires in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I think those are fair. Those are fair starts. And then what would be super cool is if you're new to elevated horror as a listener and, or if you're new to this kind of horror and you watch something and maybe it strikes a chord in you for something that you have seen and you're thinking, Oh, maybe this could fit into that category. Fucking write us. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Like, let's get a conversation yeah. going. That's one civil where we can <laughs> talk about, all layers of cinema or whatnot, you know, but like, what are some other movies that would fall into this quote subgenre that maybe are overlooked or considered quote thrillers that you could argue? No, that's totally a horror film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as always, you can hit us on, um, only fans. Well, not anymore because they're <laughs> no. shutting us down. <laughs> they they uh, ruined our ASMR. You, you can still dreams. get naked on there. It's okay. <laughs> I actually read the rules of what you can't do, and it's pretty funny. Uh, I won't do it on here. <laughs> um, so you can hit us up on Facebook, on Instagram, on the Twitters. Email us at genreexposure@gmail.com. So hit us up on all of those. Write us in. What's your favorite quote elevated horror film? Mm -hmm. Um, or what's something that you think should fall into that category that's maybe not listed as You know, maybe we need a PO address, because anyone who's really in the elevated horror will probably actually write a letter. <laughs> and seal it with a wax yeah, stamp. Well, yeah. send, us, send us a missive. <laughs> if a pigeon shows up at my door. <laughs> oh, it's an elevated horror. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, this is just one of our quick cut episodes where we wanted to finally 
shut the fuck up about elevated horror. We're done. Nail it down. Nails in there. Talking about this shit anymore. Done. So. Let's get trashy. the next one. <laughs> so as always, you've been listening to Genre Exposure. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Take care.